The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Good morning to all of you and welcome to week three. Um, we've been talking about the five spiritual faculties, five spiritual pra- pra- faculties, and, and um, unlike this microphone that doesn't want to attach itself, one of the things about the faculties is they attach themselves to you. We cultivate them, but they really are an outgrowth of practice. And whether you, whether you think of these faculties as supporting a spiritual life, a contemplative life, anything that you want to become good at, they're all intertwined with one another. They all relate to one another. And they are those faculties that we develop that give us a sense of competency, capacity, strengthen our practice no matter what that practice are. So whatever whatever that practice is. So the five faculties are faith or confidence, effort, energy or persistence, you know, actually getting in there and doing the practice, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. Now there seems to be kind of a, a progression to those five, right? There's a faith, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this, I think this is going to work, I think this is going to work, I think I can, I think I can. And, and so then we put in the effort to do it. And then, then we develop these skills of mindfulness and concentration, which are sort of the active part of the process. It's what that effort is directed toward, mindfulness and concentration. And the hope is that what evolves out of all of this is wisdom. But as soon as you put that in that sequence, what you quickly realize is that all of these things actually support one another. They're not, they don't happen in a sequence. At one time, this is more important, and at one time, that is more important. And it's developing the balance between them that turns out to be key to having a successful spiritual life, a successful contemplative life. So uh, early on I, I, in, the, in the talk on faith... I I gave a a quote from Utejaniya who said, strong mindfulness is used to describe a state of mind in which the five spiritual faculties of faith, effort, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom are in balance. A state of mind, this is mindfulness, a state of mind that has been developed through the momentum of persistent practice. This really incorporates all of them. For realizing our faith, verifying our faith, we have to pay pay attention, we have to be present. We have to look at things that are not comfortable. We have to see, we have to be with what is evolving in our lives. We have to be open to the experience. Now, today we're going to talk about mindfulness and concentration together. And I've deliberately put them together because too often we think of them separate and they are not. (laughs) They are so hopelessly intertwined that to talk about them separately makes them seem actually different than they are. And this being open to the experience is key to how they fit together. We need mindfulness, we need persistence, 
We need to be able to notice what's going on. We have to be aware of something so that we're not constantly assigning meaning to everything we see, but direct experience, what we call bare experience. We want to see and know we are seeing. So a key word here is awareness. Awareness. We have to be aware that we're aware. So this morning, coming down, I I left home before, well, it was still very dark. And there is a, I come down from uh, north of the Golden Gate Bridge, and there is a, a favorite place of mine. When you come out of the Waldo Tunnel and you look up, you see the Golden Gate Bridge silhouetted against the city of San Francisco. So this, it's just one of my favorite views, and there's the bay out below. I love this view coming out of that dark tunnel. And this morning, it was still dark, but it was just at sunrise. And just as I came through, there was a deep red over the hills on the East Bay. And the city was still dark. It had all of its lights, of course, but it was dark. And the, the towers of the Golden Gate Bridge were up in the air, reflecting that red light from the early sunrise. It was absolutely stunning, just stunning, as if someone, some, something had shined a light on the Golden Gate Bridge and said, now is your moment. And I was, as I was watching that, I was also watching what was going on with me, that I was grateful that I was there, that I was delighted. I was really aware of the delightment, and I, and I knew I was delighted. It wasn't just that I said, oh, that's beautiful, and kept driving. Fortunately, I wasn't driving, so I could really look at it. But I was so acutely aware of the fact that I wasn't comparing it to anything else. It's not like it was different than the view any other day. It was just the moment of delight in that moment with that visual experience. Boom. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful in the sense that it was visually beautiful, and it was beautiful in that it was uplifting for me. It was, it, I felt happy, happiness. There was a moment of just... Wow! And I even out loud went, "Oh!" It was, and it and it was precious that moment. It didn't relate to anything else, but just being in that moment was a peak. It was wonderful. Mindfulness always has has two major things going. There's the object of the mindfulness, and then there's aware of that object. Being aware that you are aware is really key to mindfulness. You know, I could have been sitting in the car. I was also sort of vaguely aware of the fact that I was in a car and that we were moving, but that's not where my attention was, right? When we see something, do we want what we see? Did I grab onto that beautiful sight? And, oh, I hope it's like, I want this to last for, can you slow down? I want to hold, no, no, no. It was just, right? Do we want what we see? Do we dislike it? Are we indifferent to it? How clearly are we seeing it? Do we note color or are we 
taken up with opinions and relationships? And you know, are we judging it? Are we rushing? Oh yeah, I see that. <laughs> My mind is on something else. One cannot be mindful of everything. You have to choose. So what are you mindful of? And how do you choose what you're mindful of? We choose all the time. I mean, sometimes we're just zoned out and we're not mindful of much of anything. But even when we decide to be mindful, there's kind of a, uh, a cultural pop idea about mindfulness that if you're mindful, you know, you never trip. <laughs> yeah, because you... And, and, you know, there's some truth to that. If you're in your body, you're less likely to stumble over something. But it's, it's really important to know what you're aware of and how, how you made the choice of what you're aware of. How am I choosing what I'm aware of when I walk through my day? Mindfulness relies on awareness and the fact that that awareness is free of judgment, clinging, wanting things to be different. It's just raw awareness. Mindfulness is just being there with whatever is arising. No matter what we choose, to, where we choose to place our awareness. So the practice, the awareness practice, is, is saying, ah, seeing clearly, this is what's happening now. This is what's happening now. I may sit down to follow my breath, and maybe I'm following the breath, and I notice, oh, it's really shallow today. Hmm. Not, oh, what does this mean? But just, here it is. Right now, this is what's happening. And then a thought arises. Back to the breath. Awareness doesn't care what you're aware of or who is aware of it. It's simply being present with what's arising in the moment. And we have to be persistent. It turns out that the more we practice mindfulness, the more mindful we are. And I don't mean that in the obvious way of the more you eat, the more you eat. I mean that the way to cultivate mindfulness is to be mindful. And as you become more mindful, it becomes more of a habit in your life. It becomes just what happens. When I went through that tunnel this morning, I wasn't thinking about, I'm going to be mindful of the view as I come out the tunnel. Nor when I saw that beautiful, was I necessarily saying, okay, now think about all the ramifications of what you see. It became, it was an automatic checking in with what's happening here, what else is happening here, what's happening here. And it becomes just what happens. It evolves. It becomes a capacity. It becomes a faculty. Of course you're aware. Mindfulness is a way of training yourself to be aware of what's going on, to see things as they are. So, so the, the Pali word for mindfulness... Uh, sati, actually means not to forget. Not to forget. And that's useful. It's useful to remember that 
that the word is really about not forgetting, not forgetting to be here, not forgetting. So it's a persistent awareness, not forgetting, not losing what is in front of the mind. What's happening? So you've all been in the situation where you'll be talking to somebody and you're listening to them and they'll say something and you'll say, "Uh uh-huh. And then you realize, you know, I'm not listening to this person. So you're aware that you're supposed to be listening to them, but you're not actually listening to them. And so you notice this. You say, huh, I'm not actually listening. Right? This is awareness. It isn't about whether you... whether it's good or bad, it's knowing, ah, I'm pretending to listen. I'm not really listening. This, this is what we're going for, is the mindfulness of what's actually happening. It's not a judgment about it. Now, you may, you may decide something about it, and we'll come back to that. So we persevere in this noticing what's happening, It's not an endurance run. It's not, I'm going to see how long I can be mindful. It is, I'm going to continue to not forget. I'm going to continue to keep, I'm going to keep coming back to mindfulness. I'm going to notice what I'm mindful of and notice, I notice it. I'm aware of it. You're washing dishes, you know you're washing dishes, but do you really know you're washing dishes? Is your mind there with washing the dishes? Are you in the room with your body? Or is your mind somewhere else? So a lot of the things that that I say have to do with where is the mind going? Because mindfulness is about training your mind, bringing the mind into the moment. So so the the second aspect with to not forgetting, so there's not forgetting, the persistent awareness, and then there is the presence of mind, where we have an intention we have an intention to be mindful. And we establish watchfulness. I'm going to watch. And we have to keep doing this over, the, over and over again. You know? Maybe I'm driving along and my mind is somewhere else. Ah, my intention is to actually be here with the driving. So, so we establish watchfulness. There is a presence of mind. We bring our mind into the moment. The third thing is just remembering what is skillful or unskillful. So now if we go back to the issue of the sitting around and you're listening to somebody and, and, you, know, and you realize, I'm not actually listening. I just heard myself say, uh-huh. <laughs> oh, uh-huh. Well, so I know that I'm not listening. My intention actually is to listen. I'm remembering that my intention is actually to listen. And therefore, I'm going to put more mindfulness on listening. Okay? So there's a, there's a kind of transaction that happens here. In the remembering, the mindfulness of remembering this is my intention, you can bring yourself back to mindfulness that aligns with your intention. You're choosing something else to be mindful of. Instead of your mind going off to, here's what I'm going to say next, you're actually there listening. You change your focus of what you're being mindful of based on remembering your intention. It's all mindfulness, but it's, a, it's an active mindfulness. It's not so passive that, okay, I'm here. <laughs> I know I'm here. That's good, but it isn't enough. 
There's more that can be done. And the fourth thing is just bare attention. This, this quality of not judging, clinging, wanting it different, just bare attention, not the story about it, not how beautiful this sunrise is compared to any other sunrise, and I bet I could write a poem about this sunrise. Nothing, just bare attention, red, stripes of light, lots of light, glowing towers, not even naming, just seeing. When seeing, just see. That was the instruction of the Buddha. When the mind is lustful, know the mind is lustful. If you want something, know you're wanting it. Don't pretend you're not wanting it. So uh, yesterday, my husband came in. He was, he'd been clearing a section of the yard with the idea that he was going to create a meadow. He's had this dream of creating a meadow in this part of our lot for years. He's wanted to do this, and now he's going to do it. We agreed on where it was going to happen, and so he was clearing the weeds out, which turned out to be a much harder job than he expected. There are lots of blackberry bushes. And, and he, um, he ran across some invasive plant that had really tiny seeds and a very fluff, and had gone to seed, and it blows, it disperses immediately and prolifically. And he came in so discouraged because even if he clears them out, all those seeds are going to fall down there. And as he mulches the soil and plants his new seeds, those seeds are going to be there. And, And so then the story was, well, you know, we just can't take care of this yard anymore. And I'm never going to be able to do this. And there was a long series of things. And then he said, well, I'm just going to have to decide what I can do and what I can't do. And then, he, and then I said, you know, it's just a flower. <laughs> and, he, you know, it, and he switched, you know. He went, well, of course. He said, it was, I just need a new strategy. So he's going to, you know, he's going to lay down cardboard. That's his new strategy. What it, you know, it's, it's, it's this getting caught up in the story about how hopeless something is. And, and then you see, oh, I'm, I'm in this story. And what really happened was something was here I wasn't expecting. Now I have to deal with this. The rest was just extra. The rest was extra. My, 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 I'm in meditation. My mind is wandering. My mind always wandering. I really can't do this. I'm not going to be able to do this. This is just hopeless. I should just give this up. It's the same energy, the same movement. When in fact what happened is you noticed that your mind had watered and you're back. You're actually here. So a, a part of mindfulness is seeing clearly enough, enough to know this is what's actually happening. So just the simple, direct, bare experience, not what you think about it. The bare experience of a thought arising in the mind When a thought arises in the mind, what are you thinking about? There's the content of the thought. There's, I wish this thought was here. I wish this thought was not here. I like this thought. I don't like this thought. There are lots of possibilities. We're mindful of the mind doing this. Say, oh, the mind is chattering about whatever it's chattering about. 
We're mindful that we're sitting or we're standing or we're lying down. We know something is pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. We can, we can notice the state of mind. Uh, yesterday afternoon, I had wrapped up something I had been focusing on, this talk, as a matter of fact. And I walked over and I sat down and I was watching the sunset. <laughs> and um, and the, there was the context of this earlier conversation about the yard. And I looked down into the yard, which was empty, and I realized that I, there, I had this wave of sadness. And then I thought, sadness? What's, and, you know, kind of teary, emotional, sort of... Ah, and I thought, what is this? What's, what's, what is this? So I looked at... I paid attention to just what was that direct experience, which was a letting go. There was a easing up. And in the easing up, what I noticed was that I had been tightly wound. I had been really tightly wound. And that releasing was an emotional release. The mind wanted to make it about something. <laughs> the mind was busy trying to give me a reason. Oh, well, this is sadness. You've got to find a reason for sadness. This was not clear thinking. What happened was an emotional release. And as soon as I just stuck with the emotional release, it didn't go any further. It was just an emotional release. It wasn't about the yard. The empty yard, by the way, was about my dog and that she's in her final months, I don't know, and that she was not in, that I couldn't see her in the yard. Right? And that's why I translated it into silence, into, into sorrow or sadness. The mind was making this this sweep through there. But when I went back to what's really happening here, it was just an emotional release. It wasn't about the dog. What we're talking about here, so so my state of mind was uh, still kind of caught up. And it was in a transition where I was going from this focus, 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 let go of the pressure, and then, and then there's an emptiness. There's, a, there's a, a, a disconnect. What do we do in that moment of disconnect? We often create a story about it, which is what my mind did. But it doesn't have to do that. Which brings up the final thing, which has to do with clear comprehension. Clear comprehension. This aspect of mindfulness is really seeing clearly what we're seeing. Now, fortunately, I just realized before we sat down that Robert Kusick is going to give a series the next, the, when we finish next week after that, he's going to do a series on mindfulness and clear com- comprehension, which is really great because it is a very important aspect of mindfulness and it takes the pressure off me. I don't have to be perfect. <laughs> great. So, so, when we talk about clear comprehension, it has to do with really seeing what's happening as opposed to the mind habits that we have creating an alternate reality. Okay? We all have mind habits. This is how we react to certain kinds of stimuli. And right away, out it comes. Oh, I know what this is. So mindfulness is a balance between wisdom 
and faith. Oh, I know what this is. But the wisdom says, really? <laughs> Are you sure you know what this is? <laughs> and, we, and the tool for doing that is mindfulness. Right? So if you, um, you have something suddenly good happen to you, somebody, you're walking along the street and you find a $100 bill. And you pick it up, there's nobody around, doesn't belong to anybody, it belongs to you. You've got this $100 bill, and you are excited. Wow, this is great. And right away you're thinking about what you're going to do for it, and you say, I am so happy. But actually, what you're registering is excitement, or a sense of justice or something, but probably not happiness because happiness has more ease with it, really. It has a softness and a, a stillness. Seeing clearly is really seeing through to what's really happening and not being satisfied with what the normal habit pattern reaction is, but saying, ah, what else, what else? So if we're, if we're in the middle of talking to someone and we are practicing right speech, we'll, we will say, I'm about to say what I'm going to say, but I have, I have a little thing I do, which is, is it kind? Is it true? Is it timely? Is it useful? And then I decide whether to say it. Okay? Having that moment of, is this kind? can keep you from saying things you wish you hadn't said. <laughs> that kind of mindfulness, that kind of watchfulness arises out of clear comprehension. This is, this is what this really means. When I'm about to say this, you know, I, want you to, I want you to know the truth about this, but it's not really very kind, this truth. It's not really very useful, this truth. Maybe it shouldn't be said. Okay. So it's a, it's a process on the way to wisdom. What we're interested in doing is losing the mind habits, or at least knowing when they're present. Okay? Your success at following mindfulness is determined by maintaining an intention toward mindfulness. Not really whether you're able to do it or not. Does that make sense? You just keep coming back. That's what mindfulness is. The persistence of coming back. Mindfulness balances faith with wisdom and effort with concentration. You know, if, if you're pushing too hard, pushing, I'm going to get concentrated, I'm going to get concentrated, you are so agitated and so restless, there is no hope. We become so attached to certain ways of looking at something that we, we, we forget how to do it. So this was certainly true with me for concentration. I had an idea about what concentration would look, feel like, what the experience of concentration was. To the extent that I did not even recognize how concentrated I was. Why is this? How can this be true? Ask yourself what concentration is. What is concentration? 
there is a certain stillness associated with concentration. That stillness is present whenever you are mindful. There is a stability. Concentration is absolutely essential for mindfulness. It is the, it is the tripod to the telescope. If mindfulness is looking, it's the concentration, the ability to be present, a, kind, a one-pointedness to, to be there is actually an aspect of concentration. Concentration is the ability to focus in a careful way. Concentration is what brings up the carefulness of mindfulness. One of the first things that's true about concentration is that you can't concentrate if you're agitated. If you're agitated because of a corrupted mind, like I am really pissed at you, and I'm going and I'm telling myself the story. I will never be able to get focused because the mind is totally agitated. There is an aspect of concentration that has to do with behavior, morality. If if we're engaged in something that's shady, we don't actually want to look at it very well. We don't want to see it. If you find yourself in conversation and everybody is gossiping, ask yourself how you would feel if the person being gossiped about came into the room. What is the feeling that you notice about that? If it feels open, fine. It's okay. If it feels a little bit sticky and, oh, it would be really uncomfortable if they came in and heard me saying this. That feeling, that feeling gets in the way of concentration. That feeling of this isn't quite right. Bhante Gunaratana refers to, when we were talking about effort, I gave you a quote from him and he said, effort is the relentless dedication, energy, and perseverance In order for you to gain concentration, your efforts must be supported by perfectly clear morality. Your concentration must be wholesome and one-pointed. This powerful concentration must be cultivated with equally powerful mindfulness. Then supported by pure morality and skilled concentration, the wisdom that brings liberation takes place. See? Simple. (laughs) So, I'm going to read you something from his book called uh, Beyond Mindfulness. And what I'm going to read you is uh, a sample of how he begins meditation in an effort to be concentrated. Okay? So here's what he does. Let me clear my mind. So this is his mental conversation with himself. Let me clear my mind of all resentment, anger, and hatred Let me banish all want and need and agitation. Let my mind be bright and awake and aware. Let it be filled with friendly feeling. Let the clear mind experience clear dhamma. Let my mind be filled with compassion. Let me have metta so that I can feel other people's suffering and my own joy. 
Let me have strength to practice without difficulties. Let me find peace and joy and give them to everyone. I want to keep my mind alert throughout this session. I want to attain concentration. I honestly want to understand the Dhamma so that I can share my understanding of Dhamma with everybody. I don't have any ulterior motive. I do it for myself and everyone else. We all benefit. I want my mind to be clear. I want everyone's mind to be clear. I want to find peace and joy for myself and everyone everywhere. I'm doing this for myself and everybody. I'm clearing my mind to taste the peace and joy that lies down at the roots of my mind, down under the thoughts. I want peace and joy for myself and everyone. I want to see impermanence happening before the eye of wisdom so that I can be free and help everyone else to become free also. So that was a little long, but what I want to point out to you are some of the elements that were in it. Clear my mind of ill will. Fill my mind with compassion. May my mind be alert. I have a desire for understanding. May my mind be clear for me and for everyone. I'm doing this for myself and for everyone. In order, in order to develop the stillness of concentration, we need to look at our motivations for concentration. Why am I doing this? I'm doing this to gain understanding. I want my mind to be clear. These kinds of desires are a lot better than saying, okay, I want to get concentrated so I can get really good at this. Or I want to be concentrated so I have this kind of experience. Or I know that if I don't get concentrated that I'm, I'm really not going to be a successful meditator. All of those things are beside the point. There is a need for ease and relaxation. The ease and relaxation that comes with a clear mind, and not wanting things to be different than they are. It requires mindfulness. The Pali word for uh, concentration is samadhi. And uh, there are kind of two different characteristics of it. One has to do with one-pointedness. This is the, fo- the focus that we're usually thinking of. I'm, I'm focusing on my breath. I'm going to focus on my breath at this point. I'm going to develop the ability to stay with my breath at this point. And you keep coming back to that intention of one-pointedness and bring yourself back to it, back to it, back to it. There's also a moment-to-moment changing object. Okay, So the object can be one-pointed. It's going to be this or, or visualization. But it can also be I'm going to be aware of what arises. I'm going to watch my mind. So thinking thinking mind. The thought arises, the thought passes away. The thought arises, the thought passes away. This is a changing moment-to-moment kind of concentration. The difference between them has to do with um, they're both non-distraction practices, okay? So we're not going to be distracted. But in 
in one case, if we're, uh, if we're feeling very energetic and kind of restless, then the one-pointed concentration is important, where we just discipline our mind to be in one place. I'm going to focus on this, focus on this, focus on this. If we're feeling very still to begin with, and the energy level is low, then it might be better to, to concentrate on what is arising, what is moment-to-moment awareness, because otherwise you're too likely to fall asleep <laughs> or go into a sloth and torpor phase, right? The important thing has to do with continuity of attention, persistence of attention, relaxation. Notice, just be aware of what's going on. You'll notice if, if you've ever sat with Gil, he almost always starts out with, please take a comfortable but alert posture. Please be relaxed and be alert. Being concentrated does not mean you get blissed out and go away. It is still what is required is the presence of mind to be here and just be aware. What you're aware of can be very tiny, but you need to be here and know you are here. Concentration has in common with mindfulness the idea of clear comprehension. It requires bare attention. You must be fully awake and conscious. You can't be asleep. You can't... I I had a, a, a student one time I talked to, and she said that when she meditated, she went into her room and she locked the door so that... Not so that she could be safe, but because when she was in meditation, she was totally unaware of what was around her, and she didn't want somebody to come in and break her concentration. And the more I talked to her, the more clear it became that she was not aware of anything. She wasn't there. Whatever, her, her, whatever she was calling concentration was a, a zoned-out space where she kind of left her body. She left, she left her awareness. She was not aware of anything that happened during, during the entire meditation, which is why she wanted her door locked, <laughs> because she wasn't in touch. This is not concentration in the way that we practice it. It is necessary to, be, to have bright, alert attention. Even in the jhanas, which are the states of absorption, you have to be present. You have to, you have to know you're there. Even if you are not so aware of what's going on around you, you have to be aware, I'm here. This is, this is here. This moment is here. Be aware of this moment and whatever it is that you're concentrating on, whether it's watching your mind, watching your breath. And what arises is the stability of practice. The stillness of practice. What arises is you see things as they are. Just as they are. Not as you'd like them to be, how they might be. Just here's how they are. Uh, I may may have told you this story before. When I was on my last retreat, I uh, 
was on my way to an interview with Gil. And I was thinking about, my mind started going on, oh, uh, oh, I'm on my way to this interview. What am I going to say? I should be saying something. And I was aware that my mind was racing, that it was moving fast. There were lots of thoughts. And I was, I was aware of the content of the thoughts. And then to my total and complete surprise, I, my body was not rushing. My body was moving very slowly, step by step. I mean, it was ridiculously slow to realize that the mind was not me. That the thoughts that were arising about the future were just thoughts. That what was happening in the moment is I was walking to the interview. And that it was the body was slow and the mind was something else. The stillness of concentration allows you to see that difference. Allows you to not assume that everything that's happening, that all your thoughts are you. Oh, I am. Oh, I'm really. Oh, I'm going to. My concentration is going to go because I'm worried about what I'm going to say to Gil. Well, it's possible for that to happen. But because, because I checked back in with my body, the effect was much less. The impediments to concentration are the hindrances, right? You know the hindrances. There are five hindrances. Desire, aversion, restlessness, sloth and torpor, and doubt. These are the hindrances to any practice. Wanting things to be different than they are. Having too much energy. Having not enough energy. None of this makes any sense. We go into doubt and confusion. When you are in mindful concentration, hindrances arise. The ability to see them, know when they're present, name them, is a way of freeing yourself from them. Oh, this is restlessness. I see restlessness. Oh, a lot of energy here. Restlessness. Maybe I want to do something about them. Maybe I notice, what happened just before the restlessness came up? Why am I restless? Oh, there's something I don't want to see here. Oh, it's something I don't want to see. Ah, that's interesting. So that I learn that when there's something I don't want to see, my mind's reaction is to create a sense of restlessness. This is something that we learn by mindful concentration on what's arising in the moment. This is true for all of, the, all of the hindrances. We see them. They are what they are. There are lots of ways to work with hindrances. This talk is not about that. But the hindrances to concentration are real. You will have your favorite one. We notice when they're present. We notice when they're absent. Oh, I'm not restless anymore. We notice how they arise. We notice how we let them go so that we can prevent them in the future. Just as part of practice of developing the concentration capacity, we start noticing how hindrances are arising in our practice. 
So what do we know about concentration? First of all, we give up all concern about what came before, what's coming after. I'm sitting, I'm going to sit here for my concentration. I don't worry about what's left undone. I don't worry about what I want to do. I cultivate loving kindness, a friendliness toward myself, toward other people, a friendliness. I focus my mind on my my chosen object. I keep my mind in the present moment. And I have an unremitting effort to collect myself. This collecting my mind to be here. It's kind of a vague phrase, collecting your mind. It's the presence of mind. Be in the room, in the room, in the room. Mindfulness is about more than just being present. More than that. It's necessary for concentration, for reflection on what's going on, for clear comprehension that leads to insight and wisdom. It's not enough just to be present. You have to know. You have to know what else is here. You have to keep asking, what else is happening? What else is happening? What is here? When we have clear comprehension, we have a tool for knowing things as they really are. I once did a practice where I repeated to myself over and over again, may I know things just as they are. Things are as they are. Now, it's a simple phrase. You say it often enough, your understanding of that phrase is going to change. Things are as they are. May I see things just as they are. And what happens over time is you begin to see through those things that are, that are just habits of the way you're viewing the world, your normal sense of perspective, the way you view yourself, what this means, the whole meaning cycle that we attach to what we experience. And we begin to just say, oh, only this. This is all that's happening. Not the story. Not the extra thing. Mindfulness gives us a map of the territory. Here are all the locations. Concentration gives us the ability to focus on where we are on the map. To focus on the path, the route that we're trying to take. The two of them work together to do this. Mindfulness is seeing and knowing we're seeing, being present for it, being aware. Concentration gives us the stability and composure, composure, to extend our mindfulness in meditation and daily life. The two of them go together. Don't decide that you can't do either. It takes time to develop the skills. Start now. Start now. Be mindful. I'm going to read you a little blurb from the Dhammapada. Let's see if I find the right page. 
So the Dhammapada, this is Gill's translation. Here we go. This is chapter 3. It's called The Mind. The restless, agitated mind, hard to protect, hard to control, the sage makes straight, as a fletcher the shaft of an arrow. Like a fish out of water, thrown on dry ground, this mind thrashes about, trying to escape Mara's command. The mind, hard to control, flighty, alighting where it wishes, one does well to tame. The disciplined mind brings happiness. The mind, hard to see, subtle, alighting where it wishes, the sage protects. The watched mind brings happiness. And skipping here, for those who are unsteady of mind, who do not know true dharma, and whose serenity wavers, wisdom does not mature. This is a cautionary tale. A watched mind brings happiness. For those who are unsteady of mind and whose serenity wavers, wisdom does not mature. We use the tools of mindfulness and concentration to provide us the stability and the sight, the clear seeing, to see things as they really are so that we can make the choices in life that lead to freedom. So, may you all develop amazing skills at knowing your mind, and may you be amazed by them. Thank you. So, comments, questions? Tomatoes? Yes, here. You know, just that simple um, statement, I'm doing this for me and for everyone. I had never thought when I sit down to meditate, I'm doing this for everyone. <laughs> it's about me. <laughs> so thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Um. So, when 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 you were reading what he does bef- before he sits down to meditate, and I feel a little embarrassed about this, but when I was hearing it, it was like, wow, that is a lot of want, and it was it was almost like intimidating to say I want to free my mind of anger and not be this and this and this, and I thought, well, what if you're sitting down and and you are that and that and that. It, it was almost like too much pressure for me. Like I guess I've kind of been taught to to watch it and not try to get rid of it. But mm-hmm. and watching it's hard enough. But at least mm-hmm. that was maybe possible. Mm-hmm. So, um, so when uh, when we do any of these practices of establishing friendliness, which is what that all of that was really about. Okay. We say, may I be free of, of these feelings? I mean, one of, the, one of the ways, one of the struggles I've had in my life has been with anger. And on discovering how much anger hurt, even when it's not expressed, B 
being able to actually see that in myself has led to the capacity in me when anger arises it's like a hot stove for me and I just go no no and and that response is a direct result of it doesn't mean I never get anger angry but I don't hold the anger because I know it hurts and it may come back in the next moment but I keep releasing it because I don't want to be around that kind of suffering so there are um, there's wanting things to be different than they are, not seeing things as they are, and there are seeing things as they are and desiring a better outcome. So there are desires that are consistent with the end of suffering. Developing skillful ways to be is a skillful desire. Now, if I sit down and I'm filled with ill will and I recognize I'm filled with ill will, I'm really cranky and I'm really snarly and I'll say, okay, I'm really snarly, right? I know this is happening and so not much is going to happen while I'm in this mood and yet I sit down, not with the idea of becoming different in, in pushing away that anger, but I will sit down and I will do meta to soften my heart just to soften my heart. And that's what that was doing. May I not have anger in my heart. May, may I be filled with loving kindness. So that, that repeating to oneself that this is what I want to cultivate in my heart, this is, this is a softening of my heart. It isn't changing what's true. When people do metta to get rid of anger, there's, there's some of that pushing away what's true. But if the intention is not to get rid of anger, but to soften one's heart, it's a subtle difference that's really important. Does that help? Yes, I could okay. hear, as you were saying, kind of like remembering our intentions. Remembering our intention, exactly. Okay. Yeah. There was a hand back here. Did you, do you want to take her the mic? We're, our time is up, but we'll, we'll do a quick question here. Oh, it's a simple question. I'm... I um, read briefly by Jack Kornfeld about throughout our practice uh, of mindfulness. Somehow we get to have a choice early in the morning. And it kind of what he said was really, it was struck me that in the morning, after maybe a little meditation, and you have choice. What, do you, what kind of person you want to be? Yes. That really was just giving me just one sentence really gave me just truly barometer for the day and what kind of person you want to be. And uh, I thought that was just great. And one more question is um, Go ahead. How long does it take to get to become really this uh, you know, because I do practice but Quite often, at the end of the day, I see myself, often I don't even feel awareness or mindfulness. It's just out the door. i just busy going through the just simple daily schedule. And at, and they, at the end of the day, I just regret, oh, my God, what have I done? I didn't, I, I didn't really have many you know, opportunities to feel aware of mindfulness. Yeah. Um, 
how, how often, uh, I mean, what makes you to come back aware of that? What you, know, you just reported, the day. what you just reported was coming back to awareness. You get to the end of the day and you notice, oh, I haven't been aware. But you are at that moment. If you notice, when you notice that you're aware, this is reinforcing awareness. And you just keep doing that. It isn't about, it is the intention to be aware, not your success at awareness that's important. You have the intention to be aware, and the more often you notice, ah, and you can set things up for yourself to deliberately notice. Okay, so you can say, uh, and some people do this, you know, by setting a little alarm, I'm going to take a breath at this time, but you might choose something. Uh, every time you have a cup of coffee, I'm just going to remember to feel that it's warm. End of story. Choose something that gives you pleasure that you can remember to do. Don't make it a task. And then as you become more, every time you do that, you're increasing your ability to notice. And it becomes a habit to notice. And you just keep doing it. That's what and I when do. it happens, it gives me pleasure because it gives me space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not totally into myself and, you know, admiring all the thoughts. It really right. gives me pleasure and uh, distance between me and the event. You know. Yeah. It's great. We have, we have to stop now. So 